Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I am a certified financial planner practitioner, and this is a show for you a show to help you understand your money. We look at the stock market. We look at things going on in the news that might impact your financial situation. I explain different financial planning concepts. And finally, in the last part of the show, Ask Peggy, I answer questions that you send in to me. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears Market and Economic Update. This is for the week ending September 9th, 2018, and September started with everything being a little bit down. The Dow was down about 0.2%, so not really very much. The S&P was down 1%. The NASDAQ was down 2.5%. Now, everyone thinks that gold is the great investment, that it will go up when everything else is going down, but unfortunately... Gold went down half a percent this week as well, and oil went down 2.69%. None of these losses are really big. They're really not anything to worry about. You know, maybe it's an indication of other things to come, but you really don't want to base any investment decision off of one week's worth of activity. It just says that, you know, September began... The markets are all a little bit down, and we'll just have to wait and see where things go from here. Basically, the economic data is still very good. Unemployment continues to be very, very low. We've had falling unemployment for years now. We've got the GDP coming in as a good number. Probably the biggest drag on the market is still the political uncertainty and the trade war fear because first the trade war with China is on, and then it's off, and then it's on. Right now it's on. I'm just waiting right now to see. I I think, again, that overreacting to anything, well, overreacting to anything is always a bad idea, but overreacting to news that tends to change by the minute can cause you to get whipsawed really badly. So the best thing to do is to watch and wait and see if anything's really shaping up as a trend and then make any decisions once you really know what direction things are going in. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I've got several things to talk about today. I want to start out by talking about an idea that's being floated in Washington about allowing groups of employers to create, they're calling them MEPS, M-E-P-S. So when you hear the acronym, what you need to know is it stands for multiple employment plans or multiple employer plans, rather. What this becomes is a retirement account that is held by several small businesses. You know, it can be very expensive to create a small business retirement plan, especially if you're looking at doing something like a 401k plan. 
Well, the idea of the MEP is to allow multiple related, I'm assuming, small businesses to join together and have one administration of the plan and then basically different divisions of the plans that would be for the different employers. And the idea is that it would be much less expensive to maintain. There would be less record keeping on the part of the small business employer because they'd be able to outsource more of it because they're splitting the cost around. It's a really good idea on the surface to, in, to encourage small business owners to have retirement plans for their employees. Because one of the things that's going wrong with the savings rate in our country is if people work for small businesses, most of the employers don't offer a retirement plan. It's not because they're bad people or they don't want to. It's just too expensive. It's too complicated. Small business owners get really overwhelmed in the first place. And so there's no plan at all for the employees to participate in, which leaves them, you know, funding their own IRAs. The MEP would be a nice solution to this problem. And so, see, I can say nice things about um, ideas that come out of the administration. I can be very critical, but I actually do like this idea. There is a catch, and I'm a little worried about it. I'm not quite as worried about it as some of my colleagues are because I think it remains to be seen how this plays out, and I'm not sure it was an intentional defect. But the way this current proposal is written, there's not a fiduciary duty to these MEP plans. In other words, you know, right now, retirement plans have a fiduciary duty, a responsibility to the employers to make sure that everything is actually being done in their best interest. That isn't part of the language of this MEP proposal. Now, it may be that, in fact, there's something evil going on. And truthfully, I don't believe this idea is going to gain enough traction to go anywhere in the first place. But it is something to watch. And if your employer does offer something like that, it's a question to ask. Or if you're a small business owner and you're looking to participate in a MEP, you know, you really want to make sure that your employees are getting the best advice that they can get. So request a fiduciary standard be held, even if it's not part of the legislative language that comes out, because I really think at the end of the day, this is how we implement the fiduciary duty, more than rules being assigned from on high, which, you know, I was a huge fan of the Department of Labor rule, but it went away. The way you fix it when you aren't having a lot of encouragement for a fiduciary rule from the government is the consumer demands it. So I really don't think that this was an intentional defect of the map. I really like the idea of having 401k plans available at a lower cost for small businesses. So we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. We had talked about that idea a little bit before, but it continues to come up. There's more details coming out, so I wanted to bring it up again today. Now, the second piece of news today I had not heard at all before, and it looks like President Trump is wanting to go in and lighten the required minimum distribution rules, the RMDs for um, company retirement plans, meaning that when you're 70 and a half, you have to take a distribution. What's really weird about this is unless you're the business owner, you don't have to take the distribution until you retire anyway. And 
people save for their retirement so that they can use the money, and 70 and a half is a reasonable age to start drawing out retirement funds. So I actually can't quite figure out where this is coming from yet. I don't know why he would decide that he wants to tweak the required minimum distribution rules unless he just doesn't like rules at all, which is the only thing I can actually come up with. And so he's saying, well, you know, this is a government rule and we don't want a government rule, so we're going to do away with it. It's very odd. I don't see it benefiting anyone except, again, possibly business owners, and maybe that's the point of this. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot to come on this one. Again, I will be really surprised if it goes anywhere because I'm not sure I see something like a MEP or an RMD adjustment happening before the midterms, and I'm not sure any of this can be done without congressional approval, and I really don't think that's where we are right now. Nevertheless, it's interesting. The RMD thing to me is really odd, and so we need to keep up with it and see what's going on. So the final thing I want to talk to you today about is Bitcoin and these other cryptocurrencies which have really gotten um, hammered in 2018. And as of September 9th, they were getting hammered really badly even last week. Cryptocurrencies are odd. I've talked about them in earlier shows. I don't like the concept of a currency that floats in value because when you buy or sell something, You want the price you negotiate to be based off of the value of what you're buying or selling. You don't want to add on top of that the potential of a currency that dramatically fluctuates because it might work out really well or you might get really nailed. So I'm not a Bitcoin fan. I'm not a cryptocurrency fan. I am not telling you. This is not investment advice. I'm not telling you not to buy it. I am saying that I don't understand structurally the value of it. So, you know, maybe they get some kinks worked out. Maybe it works Maybe it works out. There's been an attempt to create some exchange-traded funds and other investment vehicles to allow people to participate in Bitcoin. And the SEC so far has said no to all of them. Now, there is a new SEC hire, and I may mispronounce his name, Elod Roisman, R-O-I-S-M-A-N. He is new to the SEC, and he is much more in favor of allowing cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin to be traded on the market. So there is a chance that with the appointment of Roisman, there may be an ETF that tracks Bitcoin, or the rest of the SEC may be able to hold the thing in check. But it's interesting news right now. um, All of those funds and the other kinds of investments that have been looking at going into the market have been continually shut down. Roisman looks like he may be trying to open the door again, and I will let you know in future shows how this turns out. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity section of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. 
And I thought we'd have a little bit of fun today. You know, this show broadcasts out of Norman, Oklahoma. And Norman, Oklahoma is known for the University of Oklahoma football this time of year. And so I thought that I would talk to you about how financial planning resembles a game of football. So remember that in football, you have your offense, you have your defense, and you have your special teams. Well, your financial plan breaks down into these sections more effectively than you might expect. So remember that when you're wanting to play offense, you're trying to move the ball forward. And the best thing you can do to move your financial football forward is to understand how much you're spending because cash flow is centered to everything. Once you have your cash flow, you can create a budget. And once you have that budget in place, it will help you keep your spending in line so that you don't just spend mindlessly. I really don't think that the magic of the budget is cutting your cell phone bill by $15 a month. I think the magic of the budget is causing you to be aware of your money. When you know that you've got a document backing everything up and you know you're going to have to write down what you do, I think it changes how you look at your spending. And I think it makes us slightly less likely to spend that extra $5, $10, $15 at the superstore. I think it makes us more likely to try to create a grocery list when we go shopping. So once you're thinking about your money, that budget's almost done its job right then. You need to organize your investment portfolio because the biggest driver of your financial success is probably your investment accounts. Remember that most of us today don't have the advantage of a pension plan where we go to work and the employer puts money in on our behalf and makes the investment decisions, and then we get the money when we retire in the form of a check. That's the way it used to be. Unfortunately, today, most retirement accounts, even the really great ones, are defined contribution plans where the employer gives you money. They contribute. That's why they're called defined contribution plans. They contribute money to you, and then you have to make the investment decisions. And the investment decisions that you make then will have a lot to do with your retirement success or the ability to pay for your kid's college, or whatever goal you're trying to save towards. But it allows you, again, to move that ball forward and meet those goals, make sure you're on track so that your portfolio is providing you with the income that you need. Also, part of knowing how to move that football forward is knowing how much money you actually need in retirement. It's very hard to save towards a goal when you don't know what the goal is. And I'm not a fan of rules of thumb. I wish I could be. I wish I could just tell people, yeah, 80% of what you spend now is what you're going to spend in retirement. It's a really common rule of thumb. And it might, in fact, be the right number. The problem is, many times it isn't. And when people first get into retirement, sometimes they even spend more than they were earning, than they were spending 
when they were still working because now they're free and they want to travel and they want to put in the pool and they want to do all of this stuff. You know, then that backs off. You know, that's the argument I always hear. Yes, they overspend at the beginning, but, you know, then that stops as they get older. The problem when you're older is the medical bills replace the money you spent traveling. So it's very, very important that you have good insurance in place. It's very, very important that you have some way of paying for your end-of-life care because that can just be bankrupting. So as you're putting your investment portfolio together, you keep your risk tolerance in mind always yeah, because that's what everybody knows. You fill out the form, okay, well, I'm moderate. Okay, well, that means I invest this way. I absolutely believe that it's more effective if you tie your retirement cash flow needs into your risk tolerance portfolio. So let's say it turns out that to meet your needs in retirement, you need to be invested more aggressively than your risk tolerance says. What do you do? Well, don't just change your portfolio. Okay, the first thing you want to do is look at how much money you think you need in retirement. Is it possible that you could get by on a little bit less? The second and the easiest way to fix it, rather than upping the risk tolerance of your portfolio, is just to work a few more years. Every year that you work is one year you're not having to pay for retirement, and at that point in your career, you're probably earning more, and you're able to put more back towards retirement. So it's a win-win. You work so you're not spending it, and you work so you have more money to put into savings. So I think that to really meet your goal, we're going to try to keep the sports metaphor going through the whole thing, then I think you've got to have a correlation between how much you need and how what your risk tolerance is and your investment portfolio. And those are three pieces that need to go together. Now, that's your offense. What is your defense? Mostly your defense is managing risks. And the two things that I want to talk about today are having an emergency fund. If you've heard my shows before, you know, I'm the believer in starting with the two-week emergency fund because the six-month emergency fund, if you don't have one, is just insane. People panic. They don't save money. They don't do what they need to do. So I want you to start by saving two weeks' worth of your bills and put that in savings. And leave it alone. Don't touch it. And save it until you've got it. Then once you have that, save two more weeks. Now you have an entire month of expenses saved. But if you break it into little pieces, it doesn't get overwhelming. Most people don't have two weeks of bills and savings. Okay, if you can have that, then that's going to help you move forward. Eventually you get three, four, six months saved. But start with something that doesn't panic you. The second piece of your defense is your insurance, and that's having the right amount of life insurance and the right kind of life insurance. You know, do you have you, again, it goes back to cash flow. What happens to the people you love who depend on your income if you die? And you do a cash flow analysis and you figure out how much insurance you need. Disability insurance, no one talks about, but you're much more likely to become disabled during your working career than you are to die during your working career. So disability insurance provides a way to cover that need. 
homeowner's insurance, automobile insurance, um, health insurance. It's very important to have your health insurance in place. We're just about to get into the open enrollment season again for the Affordable Care Act. Yes, it's still available. So if you don't have health insurance, open enrollment period's just about to start. And then finally, figuring out how you're going to pay for your end-of-life care. I'm not saying the solution is insurance, but it is a family conversation, and you need to figure out how you're going to cover that risk. So we have offense, we have defense, special teams. Special teams are the professionals you work with. Have a really good attorney, a really good CPA, and then I am a big fan of the Certified Financial Planner Practitioner designation to help you, uh, those people can help you with your money. Other than that, I am a huge proponent of the fiduciary rule. You should only work with someone who has your best interest at heart. That's my opinion. If you don't want to, that's okay. But I think it's really important because I think people think they are working with fiduciaries when, in fact, it really pays to ask the question. So your offense, you're moving towards retirement, your defense, you're well-insured, your special teams help you get there, and that's going to give you a great financial plan, maybe not as much fun as the afternoon game, but certainly worth your time. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And this is the part of the show where I answer people's questions. If you'd like to send a question, you can um, submit it on my Facebook page, which is Ask Peggy. Or you can also submit it on my website, which is PeggyDoviak.com, P-E-G-G-Y-D-O-V-I-A-K.com. Pretty soon there's going to be an easier way. There's even going to be an Ask Peggy website, but we don't quite have that set up yet. So right now the two best ways to contact me are either through the Ask Peggy Facebook page or the PeggyDoviak.com website. And I have a great question that came in actually from someone who's a writer, but it works for everyone because the basic rules are the same. The question is, can a writer still take a home office deduction even though the tax rules around it have changed? And it's a really, really good question because what I want to broaden it out to is the difference between having a business that you run out of your home and having a home office where you actually do work for another job. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed last December got rid of the miscellaneous deduction section of your tax return. So all of the itemized miscellaneous deductions are gone. That includes the home office deduction. So if you have been taking a home office deduction on your taxes on the itemized section, second page of the tax return towards the bottom of the page, you can't do that anymore. You know, it used to be you could only take a home office deduction if that home office was being held 
for the convenience of your employer. So if you had work that you did there regularly, if you were... Um, if you had a specific task you did in your home office that you couldn't do anywhere else, then it counted. So you would go to work, you'd have your office at work, you work for somebody else, and then you were able to take the home office deduction off your taxes. That's gone. And so you need to be very careful doing your taxes this year. Now, those are your 2018 taxes, not the ones that are actually due here in about another month. These are the ones that are due next April. Because there are a lot of deductions that you may have been able to take that are gone. That The home office deduction is one of them. However, the person who actually asked me this question was a writer. And writers work for themselves. And the writer has the ability to set up a business that is their own. Now, if you work for yourself and you work out of your home, but you actually have your own business, then the home office becomes a business expense that comes off of your business tax return. It isn't something that actually is an itemized deduction on your personal tax return. So if you're owning any kind of your own business where you calculate all of your income that comes in, and then you calculate all of the expenses that go out, and then anything that's left over is either what you're earning or maybe in part of the expenses that are coming out, you're actually paying yourself a salary. But then you have that extra money left over if you do your taxes like that and you have your own business, then your home office is a business expense, not a personal expense, and it is possible to take it on, take it off of your taxes. Now, I am, no one has to take my advice, but my recommendation for this year is you might seriously want to talk to a CPA if your taxes are anything at all resembling anything that's complicated because the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has made huge changes in what can be deducted it's changed what um, what kind of medical expenses or actually what percentage of your medical bills have to be before you can deduct them. It used to be before two or three years ago that if your medical bills were 7.5% of your adjusted gross income or more, you could deduct the amount that was more than 7.5%. Then here a couple of years ago, they raised it to 10%. Well, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has now dropped it back to 7.5%. They've actually changed the percentage of charitable donations you can make from 50% of your income to 60% of your income. I know that sounds like a lot of money. There's some weird situations where that actually does impact people. Then all of the um, miscellaneous itemized deductions are gone. You do have a larger standard deduction, but you no longer have personal exemptions. So my opinion is this is just enough to make your head spin backwards, and it's not even October yet. So I'm thinking that for most people, talking to a CPA, getting some tax assistance for 2018 is going to help a lot. 
because even though the writer who asked me the question can probably deduct that home office cost, that tax return has to be done in a very specific way, or they can't. And I know that people do their taxes wrong all the time. They're not cheating; they just don't do them correctly. And if you don't do your taxes correctly, you may find that some deductions that you would be able to take if you're a small business owner are gone when you actually would have expected to have been able to have them.、Um, and then suddenly, the place that you take them off on on your tax return is just missing. So I, I'm thinking this is a good year to call in that special team from the last section and get a little bit of assistance. So, yes, you can possibly take your home office deduction. There are two ways of doing it. One is the simplified method, which does not have to be recaptured when you sell your house, and the other is percentage of home method. And again, probably a better question for a CPA than for me to try to answer on the air today. I can't believe how fast the show went again. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we'll keep up with the MEPS and the RMDs and all those crazy acronyms. Make sure that your financial plan is organized and all put together. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma KVOY 104.5 FM for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at peggydoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money. <laughs>